in 2023, I think I spent hundreds of hours researching and writing uh, the material for my newsletter articles and for these podcast episodes, and it's all so I could share that with you. Um, I went back over the year, looked at those stats, and tried to pull out what I consider to be the top 10 articles and episodes. So that's what I'm going to share in this podcast episode today. I'm Larry Cornette, and this is Invincible Career. So if you want the links to these top 10 episodes and uh, newsletter articles, because not all of them were uh, episodes that I record for the podcast. You can go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com. This is titled My 10 Most Popular Episodes and Articles This Year. It's issue 517. Um, so a quick uh, reminder, if you haven't um, heard me talk about this before, I do have a private community. It's uh, my Invincible Career community. And it's mostly... You know, people who work in kind of white collar jobs. So it's professionals and it's all the way from entry level folks that are just getting started in their careers all the way up to executives. I have folks who are vice presidents and so forth in the the tech industry. Um, For the people that upgrade to the premium membership on my newsletter, and that's only $15 a month, as of the time I'm recording this episode, uh, that gives you access to the premium newsletter. It gives you access to the career community. So I'll send you an invite to my Slack community. Um, I am going to be doing career workshops in 2024. So that's going to be a big change. I'll be doing live, uh, probably one hour workshops, maybe, maybe the occasional two hour workshop. I know people are busy. And I'm opening that up to the general public. So if you are a premium member, a subscriber, you get free access to that. Uh, If you're not, you can sign up and buy a ticket to go to the workshop um, because there might be some you're interested in, some you're not. But overall, if you are a subscriber, you get free access throughout the year and that is worth more than $500. So it's, um, it's a nice little bonus for people who are loyal listeners and readers of the the newsletter. As part of that, I will be sending weekly exercises and um, kind of workbooks. I'm going to have digital workbooks that people can use to fill out exercises that build up for that monthly workshop. You know, for example, maybe one of the workshops is all about how to be much more effective in an interview, in a job interview and prepare for that. And ask the right questions, answer questions the right way and knock it out of the park. So there'll be a workbook associated with that to help you prepare. And then we have the live one hour workshop that month. Um, So people can sign up and join those or they can be a premium member and get to go for free. And then I will also continue with my office hours. That's every Monday in a private channel that's in my Invincible Career Community. So that's only available to the premium subscribers. So that's all part of the membership for $15 a month. But I am offering a holiday special between now and the new year. If you sign up, you get uh, 50% off. 
so you can join and get 50% off your premium membership for the year. So go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com. You can find the link to that. And that really helps. Um, you know, this is something that I do as part of running my solopreneur business and having subscribers helps me keep investing the time in doing the research and inviting guests and so forth. So this is my wrap up for 2023 that I like to do every December. Uh, what I've found is that people ask kind of recurring questions on career topics, work related stuff, things around the job search, interviewing, asking for promotion, leadership questions, entrepreneurial questions. Um, and I have specific articles I've usually written on that topic or to answer that question because I've been doing this for the last oh, four to five years that I have all this stuff on the, the newsletter and also on my medium uh, where I write a lot of these articles too. So you may have read some of this stuff before, you may have missed it. I know it's easy. We all have a lot going on in our lives and we subscribe to a lot of stuff and try to keep up, but we're busy with work and life and all that. Uh, so I wanted to share this uh, recap and kind of bring out the top 10. So I looked at the stats. I looked at the, the favoriting and commenting and stuff like that. And I had 10 that rose to the top this year. So the number one was how to create an intentional career path instead of letting other people basically determine your future, you know, going along for the flow. Um, let me go ahead and pull that article up. But yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting phenomenon that happens, I think, as you get farther along in your career. And I had a quote that I brought up in, in this newsletter where one of my clients was saying, Hey, you know, it used to be so easy for me to get a new job. It used to be kind of a piece of cake. I didn't even have to look around. People came to me, but now that I've uh, been in my career for 15, 20 years, I'm kind of struggling to get noticed. I'm struggling to get an offer, not making it to the final round. Something's changed. So part of that is becoming more, uh, advanced in your career that definitely, there's definitely some ageism in the industry. There's definitely the fact that you're more expensive to hire as an employee than somebody who's fresh out of college. That's just the way it was. Yeah, it, it is easier to get a job in your 20s. I know I definitely experienced that. But it's also the economy. The economy has not been great this past year. And so a lot of people out of work, a lot of people have been laid off. And it's uh, a ton of competition. So it is harder. And the thing that unfortunately happens, I think, with most people is they just kind of let their career happen. They don't give it much thought. They're not doing a lot of planning. They're kind of working and focused on work, and they hope things turn out for the best, and they hope they can find a new job when they need to. And that's okay for a while. Then the day comes that you're passed over for promotion. It's like, wow, what's going on? I just got passed over for a promotion. That hasn't happened to me before. Uh, it's taking me a lot longer to find new jobs. I'm not getting the big raises I used to get. And they're like, what's going wrong? Well, how do I get back on the right path? And what you have to do is be much more intentional about your future. You have to think really hard about what you want ideally in the long run for your career. And then you have to map backwards. I talk about this all the time, doing reverse planning. 
and figure out what would be the ideal next step for me? What's an ideal role for me? And then being honest. So you're looking at what you have in what I call the toolbox of you, your experience and your skills and your knowledge and all the places you've worked before, uh, everything you've learned through your education, your network, you name it, all those assets. And then you're looking at what the role requires and it could be years of experience or specific types of experience or skills, you name it. And then figure out what's the gap. Is there a gap? If there is no gap, then you're ready to go. You should be a great fit for that next role, which makes me question if you're doing a stretch, are you stretching to get that next role and trying to get promoted or not? But if there is no gap, then really it is a matter of just landing the opportunity. But if there is a gap, what are you going to do about it? You're going to acquire that knowledge that you need. You're going to get some of those skills that you need. Do you have a way to explain the gap and make sure that people don't think it's going to be an issue? You got to think about it because it is real. It is going to exist and you can't just gloss it over and ignore it. So what are you going to do to close that gap? Um, and the thing that sometimes I run into with folks is they're like, well, how do I do long-term planning for my goals, for my career goals? It doesn't even make any sense. I don't know where I'm going to be in 10 years. I don't know what I'm going to do in 20 years. Uh, and I'm going to talk a lot more about this in January. That's going to be one of the first workshops is how do you create an invincible goal system? to identify where you want to be, map that back to near-term goals, and then create a system that enables you to make progress to that and be held accountable so you actually do it. A lot of people set goals and a lot of people fail to achieve those goals because they don't create the right system to get there. But one of the things that's always going to be true, regardless of your job, regardless of your employer, is how you want to live your life. I think a lot of us, by the time we get to be adults, know what we enjoy in our lives. We know how we like to spend our days. We know if we're a morning person or a night person, right? We know the kind of stuff we want to do for recreation, how we want to spend our weekends, you know, what we want to do in the evenings, where we want to live, where we feel happier. Are we a city person or are we a country person? And so basically what do you need from morning till night, from Sunday through Saturday, to live your ideal life. What does that look like? Where do you want to be with your life? And then you can think about, well, what enables that? What type of work or business, if you're going to start a business, and I love people starting businesses, is going to enable that lifestyle? And I did that. I did that for my own life. This isn't something I just made up. This is something I did to figure out how can I get out of the city? Because I'd spent decades living in large cities, you know, like Houston, which is a huge city. Then um, I wanted to get into more of a rural area, be near a forest. I love the forest. I love going for hikes. I want to be close to the mountains. I love going hiking in the mountains. I love skiing in the winter. How do I enable that? And when I looked at where I wanted to live to be able to do that without driving five hours to make it happen, I realized the career path I had been on would never enable that. It would never be possible. This was pre-pandemic. People weren't working remotely. Uh, and even now, people being forced back into the office, so so much for remote work, right? And that answered my question. So if that was my ideal life, if that's how I wanted to live, I had to make a big change. 
I couldn't work for an employer who expected me to be in an office living in the city. I had to make a big change, and that's why I created my own business. And then you can do what they call job crafting, which is what is your ideal work? And then it could be a job, it could be a business that you start. But what do you want to do? When do you feel most fulfilled? What taps into your best assets and strengths? What makes you feel like you're really good at what you do, which is a great feeling. When you're working, even if you're stretching yourself, doing stuff that you're good at doing, enjoy doing, it's really fulfilling. But when you're doing work that you hate, that makes you feel empty inside or makes you feel stressed and anxious, and a lot of people are dealing with large amounts of stress and anxiety lately, that's not a fun way to live. So what does your ideal work look like? So describe that in extreme detail. That's what I talked about in that newsletter. And then figure out how do I make this happen? Um, Same thing. If you're going to get a job, what is your ideal work environment? What is your ideal employer? Is it a huge company? You know, a large company like an Oracle or uh, Adobe or an Amazon or a Microsoft? Or is it a small company? Is it a startup? What's your best environment? Do you like to work in a company that's working on consumer products or enterprise products? Do you like to work in a smaller organization or a larger organization? What kind of a boss do you like to work for? Who's your ideal boss? What is their background? How do they interact with you? What are their expectations? And I think we all know by the time we get a little farther along in our career, it doesn't have to be that many years. You get in five, six years, you kind of know who tends to bring out the best in you and who is the worst boss that you could work for. And I know, I certainly experienced that. I saw the pattern. I said, I'll never work for this kind of person ever again. It's terrible for my career. But then I looked at the handful of bosses I'd worked for who were wonderful for my career and looked for the patterns. Like, okay, this is the kind of person that really brings out the best in me and I feel supported and I feel encouraged and my career grows and I get promoted. You know that too. So instead of just letting your career happen to you, make a plan. Why would you not want to get yourself into the most ideal environment, doing the most ideal work, working for the most ideal boss? You're going to be a lot happier. You're going to get promoted. You're going to grow in your career and you're going to make more money. I mean, that's kind of the whole point. So that's why this was a pretty popular episode, how to create an intentional career path. Uh, And that's available in the newsletter if you want to go read that. Um, the next one was about how to stop competing and truly start collaborating. Um, and this was one that I think a lot of people experience where you're working with a coworker, it could be a boss and there's a whole lot of conflict and politics. And I was just talking with somebody about this, uh, yesterday, all the hidden politics and agendas and energy put into these back office politics and fights versus working on getting the stuff done, getting the product shipped or whatever it might be. It's really frustrating because when everybody's trying to win and everybody's following their own agenda, the the team loses and the company loses and you don't feel very happy. Um, So in this article, if you want to read it, uh, how to stop competing and truly start collaborating, I was talking about a few approaches and models for being much more collaborative. And one was something that's, it seems kind of obvious, but very few people do it. But this concept of metaphorically sitting on the same side of the table, 
that it's you and the coworker versus the problem versus you versus the coworker across the table with the problem sitting between you. And I think that happens all too often where we feel like it's combat. We feel like it's a competition. I have to win. You have to lose. And it's me versus you. And I gave an example where I had been experiencing this with a coworker, colleague. And I literally sat on the same side of the table. This is back in the day of, we actually met physically in a conference room. Um, but I sat on the same side of the table with, our, with a whiteboard behind us and said, uh, here's the problem I want to solve. How can we work together to do this versus you and I are, are at odds with each other. And so sketched some concepts on a whiteboard. We built some prototypes. Um, and it was really effective. It was really effective where I felt like we were on the same team versus competing against each other. And it improved our relationship dramatically. So getting on the same side of the table, you know, kind of metaphorically, can make a huge difference. Like, hey, we're both trying to solve this problem. Let's figure out how to do it together. And then the other strategy I mentioned comes from Edward de Bono's book, um, all about the, the thinking hats. And so there are this concept of the six thinking hats. And really it's about shifting from what he calls parallel thinking to aligned thinking. Uh, but basically being in the same mode at the same time. So instead of me being in a generative creative mode, coming up with ideas and you being in a pessimistic mode and shooting them down, we're both in the same mode at the same time. We're both trying to be creative and generate ideas and we keep on track with that and we bring each other back on track and usually there's more people and there's somebody kind of mediating this which helps a lot to say no 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 stop being pessimistic we're not doing that yet we're going to be optimistic we're going to be generative we're going to look for new ideas and then when you're done then you shift into the next mode together so now you're both looking for ways to shoot holes in the idea like where are the flaws what are the the things we're missing where are the gaps and again, this gets you working together as colleagues instead of opponents. And it's not me versus you. It's not us versus them. We're all trying to solve whatever this problem is, whatever the agenda of the meeting is, using the same mode of thinking at the same time. And it's super helpful. I went into a lot of detail about it. You can read the book as well. Um, Six Thinking Hats. It's an old book, but still incredibly powerful and very useful. Um, then another very popular episode was how to get ahead in any job. Um, and this came from feedback from somebody who had been attending my fireside chats this year and said, Hey, you know, you talk a lot about tech jobs because I used to work in tech and a lot of people in my community work in tech, but how does this advice apply to other types of jobs? blue collar work, nine to five jobs, not salaried jobs. And so it got me thinking because I have worked in so many different types of jobs. I mean, it was later in my career. Um, how old was I? Like late, late twenties before I got into tech, but I used to work a ton of blue collar jobs. I, I worked in the fast food restaurants. I worked in construction, I was a police dispatcher. I was a security guard. I've had a lot of blue collar jobs. I was in the military. Um, so I thought back on it and I was sharing 
my feedback and my advice that I've noticed over my career and my non-tech career and some of my friends who work in blue collar jobs and my kids who've worked blue collar jobs and what it takes to get ahead, what it takes to get promoted, to make more money, to move up into supervisory positions, you name it, because I've seen it. I've seen this happen with my children. I've watched it with uh, friends. I had it happen during my career. Um, and I looked back on it and was like, I hadn't noticed the pattern, but very quickly in almost every job, like even my security guard job, I got put into a supervisory role. How did that happen? Why'd that happen? And in the military, I got put into a leadership role, uh, became a, a, a sergeant. And then some of the advice just holds true. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're working a white collar job or a blue collar job. This stuff matters. You know, one is just being good at what you do. And it sounds obvious, but I cannot tell you how many people talk with me about, hey, I'm not getting raises. I'm not getting ahead. And they're doing the bare minimum. They're not that good at what they do. They haven't even put in the time to get better at what they do. They're not working that hard. Well, what do you expect? What do you expect? There are people who think they should get a raise because they have a need. They're like, hey, my rent's more expensive. I need a raise. That's not how it works. You're being naive. You're being ridiculous. I mean, come on. Those of us that have been on the other side of the table in management or running a business, and I had my own company, and I still have my own entrepreneurial company, we don't give you raises because you need it. We give you raises because you're providing more value for the company. It's a business. I'm sorry, but that's just the reality. That's the way it is. So you want to get ahead? Get good at what you do. Be so competent, be so valuable that your employer's worried about losing you. They want to reimburse you for your value. They want to keep you around. They want to retain you. Um, I talked about the fact I used to work at a company that we built uh, trophies and plaques and medals and stuff like that for schools and you name it. And I used to assemble trophies. I used to engrave plaques. That is definitely a blue collar job. <laughs> but I got promotions and I got moved up. You know why? I didn't come to work drunk like some of the people did. I didn't break things like a lot of the people did. I showed up on time. I took my shift instead of calling in sick because I was hungover. And I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just telling you the truth. This is the way it is. I worked hard. I did what I was supposed to be doing. I did quality work and I got reimbursed for that. I got more money. I got moved up. Um, keep learning and growing. That's another one. Keep advancing. Figure out how to get better at what you do. Get more skills. Gain more knowledge. Become more valuable. Um, be reliable. I used to promote and give the biggest raises to the people that I could trust. The people I knew, I could give work and it would get done. It would get done better than I even expected. I did not promote the people that I gave work and they dropped the ball. And occasionally people drop the ball. We're human. But I mean drop the ball over and over again. You give somebody a project and they drop the ball and I, oh, I forgot to work on that. Oh, I'm sorry. It's going to be late. Oh, I didn't meet with that person. You're not going to promote that person. You're not going to promote them. I promoted the people that were on top of things 
that I never even had to worry that the work was getting done. You know, it's um, show up for what you're supposed to do. Get the work done you're supposed to do. Do quality work. Be trustworthy. Uh, I also talked about don't be a pain in the butt. Um, I think we've all worked with people who were a complete thorn in their boss's side. And uh, gosh, I'm thinking about, you know, even in the military, there were a few guys that they showed up and we had a random drug test. And they had been doing cocaine the night before. Guess what? <laughs> Didn't work out well for them. Those aren't the kind of people that, that get promoted and advanced in the military when they test positive for cocaine. I had a, a colleague that came to work and they had whiskey in their coffee every day and we could smell it. Everybody could smell it. We all knew they were drinking on the job. Not going to get ahead. You're not going to get promoted. You're a pain in the butt. So if you are more trouble than you're worth, not only are you not going to get promoted, you're not going to get a raise, they're probably going to find a way to fire you. They're going to put you on the layoff list. That's just the way it is. So you got to have a plan. You got to figure out what you want to do with your life, what you want to do with your career, how you can provide value to the company on the path to get what you want. So it's a win-win. This isn't all for your employer, obviously, but you got to make it a harmonious relationship. Keep connecting, keep networking right? You got to talk with people. I'm an introvert and it's hard for me, but I did this. When I was a security guard, I got to know the police officers pretty well. I got to know the dispatchers pretty well. And so when a role opened up for a dispatcher job that was going to be a big promotion, I got hired for it. I got put into it. That's how I found some of my best jobs. That's how I got almost all of my jobs during my tech career is I had a really good network. And I talked with people and people thought of me. Having a plan and having a network can make a huge difference in your career. So you got to know your value. You got to know what you're worth and you got you to go after it. You got to be proactive. And that's, that's how people get ahead in their career. That's how you get ahead in any job. Um, and I mentioned being an introvert. I had a guest on my podcast, Tim Yo, who's the founder of The Quiet Achiever. So he talked a lot about what it takes to be successful as an introvert in your career, how to be better at job searching and interviews, how to get noticed. Um, Tim has a bunch of coaching he does and workshops he provides. So if you want to read that one, it's issue 475 and there was a podcast episode as well. Um, I had one that I had a little bit of fun with, but it was kind of going back to the most basic human survival skills of hunting, trapping, and planting, like how we survived to hunt for food, scavenge, build traps, plant crops, you know, and applying that to your career, you know, using hunting to target specific employers and go after them to figure out what is your ideal employer, ideal role, and then going directly after it finding someone inside the company that you can talk to, finding that internal champion uh, can make a huge difference. But that's being very proactive with your job search. And that is one strategy. The other I call trapping, but it's basically deploying what I call, quote, nets that can attract interest in you. Networking, talking with people, letting people know who you are and what you're looking for. So now your entire network is activated and thinking about you. And sending opportunities your way. So jobs are coming your way 
24-7, even if you're not looking for it. Even if you're happily employed, people are trying to seduce you. They're like, hey, can we pull you over to our company to work for us? That's a pretty good feeling. That That's that thing I call being an opportunity magnet. And then planting. And this is what I talk about with the content strategy. This is why I recommend people write, that they have a newsletter, they do podcasting. It's so easy on Substack. Um, I've written over 500 articles and newsletters for Invincible Career. I've published over 100 podcast episodes. I've written over 200 articles on Medium. I've tweeted like 19,000 times over the last, gosh, I don't know how many years. I think I started back in 2007. I've created almost 200 videos. I put all this stuff out into the world and plant these little seeds and then they grow and I can harvest from them and it attracts attention to my business. A lot of people will bump into my podcast episodes or my articles. They'll like what they read. It resonates with them and they'll reach out to me and say, Hey, I want to talk with you about coaching. Same is true for you. Same is true for you and what you do in your career. Even if you don't want to run your own business, if you're good at what you do and you have a lot of great knowledge, why aren't you sharing it with the world? Put that out into the world. Put your opinion out into the world. It is easier than ever. Share that. When people run into it, they're going to like the way you think. They're going to like who you are. They're going to want to learn more about you. They might want to work with you. They might want to hire you. You know, so that's the, the planting part of the strategy. So that's, that's an interesting one. Finding a job by hunting, trapping, and planting. Um... And then somewhat related to that, I had one that I wrote that kind of taps into psychology and memory. It's called, Do People Forget About You? And this really is talking about how memories are formed. You know, the, this concept of long-term potentiation that boosts your neural pathways and creates long-term memories. It changes something from a short-term memory to a long-term memory. And a lot of that is around frequency and intensity. And the same is true for your network. So if you want people to remember you and think about you, you have to engage with people somewhat frequently. You can't talk with people once every three or four years. And you have to have some intensity. You know, if all you're going to do is post something and say, hey, how you doing? And take off for another year or two, there's not very deep intensity. So engaging with people frequently and with intensity strengthens their memory of you and gets them to think about you. So when you reconnect with people and you do it with smart networking, not shallow networking and cocktail party networking, they're going to want to know what you're up to. That's one of the most common things people say. So you reconnect with somebody, you're like, hey, it's been a long time since we've talked. I really enjoyed working with you or I enjoyed doing X, Y, Z. Just wonder what you're up to. And you start talking, you have a coffee chat or a Zoom chat or you have lunch, whatever it, whatever it is. Inevitably, they're going to say, what have you been up to? And that's when you have this plan in mind. You know what you are up to and you know what you want to be up to next. So you can say, well, you know, actually I'm starting to think about my next opportunity and uh, where I want to go next. And I'm like, well, what are you looking for? Because people like to help each other. Good people like to help good people. So that's when you can say, well, I'm looking for this type of role with this type of employer. You know, maybe a specific employer or a type of employer. And they're going to say, okay, cool. I'll I'll keep my eyes open for you. And so that activates your network. It gets people thinking about you. Um, it's a bit of the priming effect. So I talked about the priming effect. And when people know who you are and they know what you're looking for, 
an opportunity that may go through their feed, show up on LinkedIn, like a new job or somebody mentions on Twitter, they're hiring and they're trying to find somebody for something. Normally they would probably just ignore it because they're not looking for it. It's not the kind of job they're seeking. I know that happens with me. It happens with everybody. It's like, it just goes by in your feed. You don't even pay attention. But if a good friend of yours said, Hey, I'm looking for a senior design job at a consumer software company. Now, when that goes by in your feed, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I forgot Heather said she was looking for a job like that. I want to send that to her. That's exactly what happens. So this long-term memory that people now have of you, who you are, what you're seeking, and that priming effect is considerably helpful for your next career move. You want people thinking about you. Um, and I know we're almost out of time here. So I also had a pretty popular episode that was my career fireside chat, questions and answers, why you're probably getting underpaid, <laughs> data that nobody likes to see. And I have friends who get angry with me every time I share it. Um, that if you stay with your current employer for longer than two years, you're probably being underpaid. There's some data that shows people who are career changers tend to get paid more than people who stay in a job for too long. So if you stay in a job for longer than two years, you're getting underpaid. And I've talked about that before, the Silicon Valley promotion. Um, every time I went to a new job, I got a promotion and I got a big salary bump. Whereas when I was inside the company, they're like, oh, maybe we can give you a 5% raise or a 10% raise. And if I took a new job, I got a 50% raise. And I got a title bump. And it's, that's the reality. Uh, and nobody wants to hear this, especially people that are really loyal and stay with an employer for a long time. And there's nothing wrong with that if you're getting what you need out of it. So it's not always about money. Sometimes it's about relationships, about the work you're doing, about learning new things. But if you're getting what you want out of it, great. But if you're not, you've got to ask for what you want. You've got to be much more aggressive about asking for a promotion or raise because you probably are getting underpaid. You're probably not being paid as well as you would be if you went to a new employer. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be compensated for great work that you're doing. So that's what that article was all about, that episode. Um, there were a few others, you know, about regaining your confidence, how to get that back when something bad happens, uh, not doing unpaid work for interviews, you name it, all kinds of stuff. So that's it. Um, anyway, I'll give you a quick reminder that I am providing this uh, 50% holiday special. If you want to try out the premium membership, go to newsletter.invinciblecareer.com. Get access to my career community, get access to those live workshops. Um, and I also, for the first time, am offering a lifetime membership. So that's for the lifetime of the community, not your lifetime, because you're probably going to live to be 150. Uh, and I'm certainly not going to be around that long. But some people don't like subscriptions. I get it. No one wants that monthly subscription, even if it is only $15. Uh, or if you get this 50% off, it's like 7 bucks. So you pay once, and you're in the community for life. you know. And I know that can be really attractive for people just to kind of get it out of the way, pay it, and stay in the community as long as you want. So that's option. I have a link to do that as well. But I just want to thank you for being uh, a listener to this podcast. I do appreciate that. I know some of you reach out to me and message me and I, uh, I always love to hear from you. So 
you can always leave me a message, send me an email, let me know how you're doing, what you're thinking, what you'd like to see in the podcast next year. I want to bring more guests back into the podcast. I've missed that and I've started doing that again. Um, I guess that's it. That wraps up this year. So I just want to wish you happy holidays. I hope you have a wonderful one. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck in becoming an, an opportunity magnet for the best things in life. 